Dear Lord, thank you for this, uh, for this day, this Sabbath. Um, thank you that you want to spend a day with us and that you, uh, you set a day um, out of every seven that we should, we should be with you. Um, ask that you will be with me as I speak, be with the congregation to listen, and uh, send your Holy Spirit on each one of us to apply this message to our lives. Amen. So, this week I, uh, I did some thinking about handshakes, because through COVID, I, I kind of had this, this difficulty where I would, uh, you know, go for a handshake with someone and kind of get left hanging, right? Or, you know, I, I stick on my hand and they kind of give me an elbow, and it's like, do I shake their elbow or like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and it, it got me thinking about what a, what a handshake means, Right? Um, when, you, when you look someone in the eye and you shake their hand and you say, it's good to see you, or you uh, shake their hand, you grab their arm and you say, you know, good morning, I'm such, such an excellent thing to, to know you, and it's, it's more than just a physical connection, it's, it's about a relationship. And I, I want to um, present the idea today that Jesus offers a handshake with us every morning. And the way he does it is through um, impressions, through our prayer, through our Bible study. He's coming every morning with his hand outstretched saying, good morning, it's good to see you. And sometimes I find that I leave him hanging because I know that when he offers a handshake to me, um, it's more than just a handshake, right? He, he wants to shake my hand and then say, let's go for a walk. Right? His handshake is more than just uh, a few moments in the morning. It's, uh, it's an invitation to, to redirect my life, redirect my day. And so at times, I, I honestly don't take the handshake because I know I'm pretty busy that day. I've got a bunch of school, some prior commitments. And so I just, you know, he holds out his hand and then I kind of wave. I'm like, good morning. I'll catch you later. But I think... I think there's, uh, there's more to this idea of a handshake than first meets the eye. So let's go to uh, Scripture, Matthew 14, verse 28 through 33. You can come down here so I can read it. So um, this is after Jesus fed the 5,000, and he, um, he sees that the disciples and the people are going to try to make him king. And so he sends the disciples across the lake um, and... They encounter this storm, and they see him coming, coming to them, walking on the water. We know this story, right? So Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So right, right here, this is kind of a, a, the classic example of a handshake in Scripture, right? Peter's sinking. He reaches out his hand. Jesus takes it and pulls him up out of the water, and then they walk hand in hand to the boat, as I just says. So here we see this, this really cool truth that Jesus, well on earth, with, was physically extending his hand to, to save Peter. And I, I think for us, he's, you know, spiritually um, extending his hand to save us. And 
sometimes we have to grasp it from beneath the waves, right? But he's, it's, it's always there to save us. So let's, let's keep going with this idea of a handshake. How does this apply practically? Because it's, you know, it's, it's nice if Jesus were like, physically here on earth, we could say, shake hands. But, I mean, he's not. You can't, I'm, I'm just holding my hand in the air right now, right? So there's a spiritual meaning to this, which Jesus explains well in... John 6:25 on the yeah. Um, so this is after Jesus and the disciples have landed in uh, Capernaum after crossing the lake, and the people who Jesus fed, the, the 5,000 men, probably, I don't know, 20,000 people, are following him still trying to make him king. And so when they found him on the other side of the sea in Capernaum, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So, right here, it doesn't look like a handshake, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to this, because there's a, um, there's a, cool, a cool truth to what, the, what this interaction has. The Jews had some expectations of Jesus as the Messiah. They expected a Messiah to be a military leader, to, to give them the, the robes and the palaces of their conquerors, right? And so when they, when they come to him, they're, they're looking for some like material, temporal good. That's the food which perishes, right? Jesus is offering them the eternal spiritual food, right, of a life with him. He's offering them uh, a handshake which doesn't, meet, which doesn't meet their expectations, but which is actually far greater than what they're expecting. If we jump forward from the Jews to our time, I find that I often follow Jesus with some expectations of what he'll do for me. You know, if you go to uh, John 10, any number of awesome verses and promises. You know, Jesus says, uh, I came that my, you know, those who follow me may have a rich and satisfying life. And so I'm like, well, a rich and satisfying life will probably look like, you know, good career, uh, great family, plenty of money, um, maybe some, some fame and fortune by which I can spread the gospel. Uh, maybe I can be doing mission work, full-time, charitable, you know, this, this sort of awesome life, which Jesus obviously has planned for me, because he says, um, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. All the, all the things that come to mind when I'm following Jesus are, are things on earth, right? All the things I, I listed, a, a big house, a nice car, are, are things that really won't last. And so when I, when I see this interaction with the Jews and Jesus, I see myself in the place of the Jews, and I see Jesus telling me, I'm not offering you those things which you're seeking so much. I'm offering you something greater which you can't see yet. Um, He's offering a handshake that starts a relationship. So I find myself falling into the trap of saying, uh, if God really loved me, then fill in the blank, right? You can can fill it in with whatever you want. Uh, If God really loved me, then... I would have a, a better grade on this last test. If God really loved me, then I would, have, um, I would be friends with this person who I really want to get to know. If God really loved me, 
then I would have this job I'm looking for. I, I, would have, um, I would have health. If God really loved me, then this loved one wouldn't have died. Um, I'd be able to travel, be able to send my kids to a better school. I would be uh, living in the mountains in Colorado. If God really loved me, I wouldn't be facing this tragedy or this temptation, right? We, we all have this tendency to measure God's love by the temporal things which he does for us. But I have news for you. God does love you, right? He gave an infinite sacrifice to get to know you. So God, God really cannot love you more. He doesn't love you more if your life is going well, right? He doesn't love you more if he gives you the things that you're praying for, right? He, he doesn't love you less if you're facing some uncertainty and trials that don't make any sense. God's love is, is always at max capacity, whether we see it or not. So it, it takes kind of a, a radical trust in who God is, saying, first of all, God loves me, and then second, how, how, do, I, how do I understand his love in the context of where I am, right? So we see... Our expectations of God do not match what he's offering. So let's, let's really dive in a little closer into what Jesus is offering. He says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Then they said to him, What must we do that we may be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So this, this, is, this is a really cool thing. You see the words I italicized there. That's not original. Um, <laughs> the Jews are looking for some work to do. And he says, uh, take the food which the Son of Man will give to you. They're looking for something to do to work the works of God. And Jesus says, you must believe. This, this right here is, is the gospel. This is what Jesus is offering and how he's offering it. The Jews, jumping back to the Jews' time, um, there were a lot of rabbis around who would come to town and offer some new thing you can do to earn heaven, right? They're, they're used to uh, the, the traveling rabbi saying, you know, if you uh, pray one more time, if you memorize this part of scripture, uh, then you'll be one step closer to heaven. They were used to earning what they got and getting what they earned, right? And so they, this was kind of, the standard procedure when this new rabbi comes, they're asking, okay, what do we do to get this that you're offering? And he's saying you need to believe, which is something totally new. We, let's jump into the meaning of doing versus believing. And I, I think this has an application for us now as well as for them. When I have another thing to do, it's it just goes on my list, right? I, I get assignments all the time from professors, and it takes me two, three hours maybe, but when I'm done, I can go on with my life, right? I can hang out with the same people, think the same thoughts, go on pursuing the same, uh, the same career goals and life goals, right? Another thing to do is, is just like a, a little sliver of time on my calendar. But belief has to do with the heart, right? So when Jesus is saying you must believe, he's offering something which redirects the whole life. It's not, it's not 
another item on the calendar, it's like a change of heart. And so it's, it's, a stronger, it's, a, it's a stronger commitment, it's a higher cost for us, but it's really the, the only thing which can give us the relationship he's offering is a, is a change of heart. Because a relationship with God is about the heart and the whole life. It's not just another thing on the calendar. I, I'd like to do Bible study every morning. I'll spend an hour maybe, and it's so easy to just finish the hour of Bible study and then go in my merry way and do all my classes, right? But if I really want to accept Jesus' handshake in that first hour of the morning, it's going to redirect my whole day and my whole life. So let's, let's keep going here into uh, the next slide, which is this. John 6, 53 through 57. So this, this, is, this is where Jesus starts kind of pushing the bounds of the Jews' understanding. Because uh, he's been talking about the you know, he says, I am the bread of life. They say, we received manna in the wilderness. And so they're kind of on these two different planes, right? The Jews are at the, the temporal, earthly bread, the, the, um, their national pride, their victory over the Romans. Jesus is on this whole other plane of, uh, like, relationship with God and eternal life. And so Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This would have sounded really wrong for the Jews. I mean, it sounds wrong today, but then they would, like, they would not touch any uh, animal flesh which had blood in it. Like, they don't eat blood. And certainly not, like, human flesh and blood. This is, this is just wrong. So he says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This just keeps getting worse. (laughs) For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This really doesn't make much sense in, in, on, on face value. Like, if the, the, this verse here is how you get the ideas of, like, transubstantiation, where people believe that, you know, when you take communion, the bread becomes the body of Jesus somehow miraculously. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call in some help to understand what this means. So you go to the next one. Yeah, this is from Desire of Ages. As our physical life is sustained by food, so our spiritual life is sustained by the word of God. Right here, we're, we're, getting, we're getting another layer deeper in understanding what it means to take that handshake uh, that Jesus is offering to, to eat the bread. Um, the word of God, right? That's, this is a, a, a big deal here. Every soul that is to receive life from God, every soul is to receive life from God's word for himself. As we must eat for ourselves in order to receive nourishment, so we must receive the word for ourselves. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm a college student. I probably eat like five times a day. So this is, this is a big commitment here. Um, <laughs> we are not to obtain it merely through another's mind. Then keep going. We should carefully study the Bible, asking God for the aid of the Holy Spirit that we may understand his word. We should take one verse and concentrate the mind on the task of ascertaining the thought which God has put in that verse for us. We should dwell upon the thought until it becomes our own and we know 
what says the Lord. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, um, eat of my flesh and drink my blood. He came as the word of God. You know, John, John 1, the, the word uh, was God. and Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so Jesus is the word. And he's saying you need to consume that word. And this, this is how we do it. Studying the Bible, uh, asking for God's presence, and then surrendering to its directions. You know, if, if I read something and it, it's, it, it's telling me to do something, I need to, I need to do it, right? The, the handshake which Jesus offers is going to redirect my life. So let's go back to, uh, you, you don't have to go back to the slides, it's okay. Um, going, going back to the idea of the, um, of the Jews with their expectations of Jesus, right? They expected a rabbi to give them another thing to do, right? We likewise have people who are giving us something else to do. You go on uh, social media, you go on um, any, I don't know, any public figure tends to give you recommendations for things to improve your life, right? They'll say, uh, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit staying up late, uh, quit getting up early sometimes. Uh, they'll, they'll say stuff like, you need to meditate, you need to be thankful, you need to be powerful, you need, to, uh, you need to accept who you are. And what Jesus is saying in, in his message to the Jews, and also subsequently in his message to us, when he's offering this handshake, he's saying, the, the things that the world is offering you really won't satisfy you. It's a life with me, a relationship with me, which will satisfy so let's, let's go to the last, last one here. This is really cool. Um, the, the truth here, when I, when I first saw them, I was like, man, this is awesome. So um, Christ became one flesh with us in order that we might become one spirit with him. It is by virtue of this union that we are to come forth from the grave, not merely as a manifestation of the power of Christ, but because through faith his life has become ours. So... This is, this is jumping back into the idea of consuming Christ through his word, through time with him, service, right? What, what we're doing now, right? Somehow, we, are, we receive Christ's spirit. It's, it's a crazy miracle. It's the miracle of salvation. Then, by virtue of this union with him, we are to come forth from the grave, we all believe in the second coming of Christ and the resurrection, right? And what this is saying is that the resurrection is not some miracle that God works when, when Jesus comes back to earth. It's not a miracle that he works uh, right then and there. It's the natural outworking of a miracle which happens now. If, if, we, if we actually receive Christ, live in relationship with him. There's some crazy miracle where we get to be one with Jesus and God, a part of the family of God, right? And so when Jesus calls forth uh, the righteous, 
when he returns to earth, he can call them forth not because uh, he has the power to call forth uh, us, but because the grave has no hold on his life. When we receive Christ's life, we receive a life which the grave has no hold on, right? That's how Jesus raised from the dead. His life was uh, a perfect life and a perfect relationship with God, and so the grave couldn't hold that. In the same way, when, when we receive his life through studying the word, through service, through prayer, through seeking him, through living in relationship with him, then we receive a life which the grave has no hold on, which sin has no hold on, which, are, which the sorrows of this world have no hold on, right? What, what Jesus is, is talking about here in, in receiving, uh, receiving him, living with him, when he extends his handshake and says, let's, let's walk together and, and kind of be a family, he's offering eternal life starting now. Right? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not, I, I will be, right? I, I am. And as we, uh, as we grasp his hand day by day, we get to be a part of that. I think the, the lesson for me from these ideas is that too often I, uh, I, seek, I seek to know God's will for me because I want to live uh, a good life. Not, not, a, not necessarily a morally good life, but a, a life that's fulfilling and joyful. And I know that God has the best plan for my life that will bring me the most joy. And so I pray for God's guidance and I try to follow that because I want to enjoy my life. And what Jesus is offering is something different. He's offering a relationship with him. Um, I think often I approach God as kind of a tool for having eternal life and, and, and a good life now. He's, he's not, right? Like, yes, he wants to give us all these good things, but he, he wants so much more to just be with us and to have this awesome relationship, right? It's, it's kind of like if... Um, I don't know, the, the way that sometimes uh, we have a tendency to befriend wealthy people, right? Because we, we expect some benefits from that. I, I think that's, uh, it's too often that I do that with God, that I'm befriending the king of the universe expecting some benefit. But really, he, he just wants to be with me uh, as, as a family, almost bringing me up to be an equal in some ways, Right? When Jesus is extending his handshake, it's, it's, not a, um, it's not a transaction. It's not an invitation from, uh, from a, a wealthy landowner to say, hey, you know, join me in this business enterprise. It's the handshake of a brother and a friend. Right? He just wants to, to be with us. So it's not, it's not possible on our own to be with Jesus. I, uh, I can talk about it all I want, but it's, it's, only, it's only by his voice and his you know, miraculous gift that we can be with him. And the good news is that with his, with his word, with his invitation to be with him, to uh, you know, 
eat, eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, right, in, in such close relationship, with that invitation comes the power to follow and to do it. When, when Jesus said to Peter, come, that word gave Peter power to walk on the water, right? When Jesus says to us, come, be with me, walk with me through today, that word gives us power. Um, it, it, means, it means the surrender of my own plans for my life and my own ambitions, but, I mean, is that really a surrender? I mean, is there, is there any comparison between what I expect of God and what he's really giving me, right? He, he, wants, he wants to be with me eternally. He wants to give me eternal life, eternal relationship with him starting now. So if you, if you want to accept the handshake of Jesus that he's extending to each, each one of you, I invite you to stand as we sing, I come to the garden. I'll have a prayer here real quick. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, for the gift of your presence um, and, and for the gift of your, of your infinite sacrifice that you want to be with us. It's a, it's a crazy thing that our creator and our king wants to know us and walk with us day by day, but we, we know it's true from, from scripture, from experience, and uh, we ask that we will see the value of knowing you and that we will uh, come to you not, not as a tool, but as a friend. And uh, we want to, each one of us individually, accept that handshake offered and to say, Jesus, I walk with you today. Amen.